0: Side We will
1: begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war.
2: Don't think you get
1: me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to will bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up.
2: bye by Saturday night.
1: Good evening, everybody, unless it's morning or afternoon, in which case it's silly that I'm saying good evening. And welcome to a new year of Area 51 recordings of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee to remain carbon neutral throughout the entirety of this year. I am your vaccinated host, The Dome. This is episode 516. It's another mask-optional semi-quarantine evening here in Area 51. And in this episode, it's all about the blood. Joining me in the broadcast facility tonight, he's at the Clickbait Fact Checking Wheel of Fish, Soil and Green Stack Bar. It's Captain Cam. Captain, how are you tonight?
2: Uh, Just a little busy right now, Dome. I'm I'm, I'm on the line with uh, computer support. You know that Uh new uh, computer I did for keeping track of everything, inventory, and, you know, checkout. You know, I mean, not that we
1: get the Oh, the the one with the German wheel? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, no. So you know, it's it. You know, I'm trying to get this. So I've got this lady on for from tech support. Her name, her. Oh yeah, no, but she's good. She's really good. Her name's Ada Lovelace, and you you think that she you know was you know she she created the program here you know Ada Lovelace.
1: That name's familiar.
2: Yeah, well, you maybe you knew her. today, you know? I mean, you know, you know, you know, back back in the day, you know, maybe two of you dated or something. I don't know. But yeah. Why, she's, why she's, would I
1: have known her? Why? Tell me. Why would I, I have know. known her?
2: I don't know. I mean, did you hang out with like Lord Byron and such? You know, i I tried
1: York? not to. I tried.
2: Oh, okay, all right. Because I was gonna say she's a daughter of Lord Byron, you know.
1: Ah, uh, no, I had and, nothing to do with that.
2: Yep, and she's she's a brilliant lady, you know. Created a uh, created her own uh computer back in the day called the Analytical Engine you know absolutely uh-huh. brilliant you know and, uh-huh. and so she's right now working on my uh, tech support getting this fixed i mean oh she's done already wow okay well you know i guess i'm ready for the podcast now
1: outstanding excellent yeah. well ada thank you very much and and uh shall we begin again shall we? uh joining us tonight on the podcast is christopher denmead uh with uh a really interesting graphic novel, kind of graphic novel, kind of, is it a graphic novel? I guess it is. It's a,
0: which place, is, it's a graphic novella.
1: Graphic novella, okay. Uh, called Vlada, which is a, a once again, a retelling of the Nosferatu story in, in a new and different way. Uh, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, sir.
0: Hey, how are you guys?
1: good how are you doing all right uh it's a wonderful spring day here in new england and um yeah when when we got this one in the mail i I just kind of went it's different because it's it's a female retelling and we where did the context of this story come from for you
0: um I've had this idea of going back to, like, 2012. Um, I saw a play um, where they reversed the genders of some famous characters, and I got the idea from that after doing some deep, deep, deep internet research to see if anyone had done Dracula, and nobody had done it as a movie, as a comic book, as a TV show, a video game, or anything outside of, like, Maybe some funny pornography, but I, I didn't deep dive into that. So nobody did it the way I did it. And for years, as much as it struggled to get made as a movie and then a comic book and then now the graphic novella, uh, still nobody did it until I finally did. And then I also made sure afterwards I put my copyright on it, too, so nobody could do it afterwards. Well, there you go. <laughs> like almost immediately, as soon as the Kickstarter people got their Kickstarter copies in 2021— I was on the phone with the library uh, copyright office of Uncle Sam being like, okay, how do I copyright my book?
1: And you got you got your intellectual copyright on because as a Kickstarter, this this thing went viral very quickly, and, and uh, you did very well on the Kickstarter as well.
0: It went viral very quickly due to no small part of my own because I'm an absolute nobody outside of the radio show I do and the podcast I do. It was mostly because of people like Ken Hunt, who's the interior artist, as well as the like plethora of uh, alternate cover artists like Matt Slay, uh, Wendy Shayner, Buzz Hassan, and Ken Hazer from the Corpse uh, Living Corpse comics, uh, Tim Vigil, the 45 uh, year veteran in comics, uh, the cosplayer Kara Nicole, and uh, their support as well, and them just you know their fan bases.
1: Yeah, it's nice when we can you can cross pollinate like that and get people from all those different uh fan bases to to kind of dip their fingers in and go oh i'd like to get involved with that as well
0: yeah they all had been uh they all um tim and matt came from ken uh tim came from kara and ken and uh wendy came from uh i believe kara and then uh buzz uh I had had on my radio show previously.
1: Now, you got together um, with Ken Hunt. who Now, before we talk about it, the basic structure of this is a graphic novella, which means that as you're going through the book, you're reading, and every couple of pages, it's not your standard graphic novel, and it's not your standard comic book. It's like every couple of pages, you're hit with this really beautiful
0: graphic. Right, and that was because Ken Hunt, after we decided that the, we didn't want to do three separate Kickstarters for three separate issues of the story, he asked me if I'd ever read Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein, which was published back in the 70s, and Bernie Wrightson drove 55 different uh, illustrations for the typical well-known Frankenstein novel and published it through Marvel back in the late 70s. Oh. And Ken gave me the idea that we should do it that way. And in fact, he homages one of the pictures from that Frankenstein novel within our graphic novel, and I can't say very much yet. But that picture from our graphic novel is going to be uh, put into a massive tribute for Bernie coming up, But I can't say any more about that.
2: Not even which one it is.
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kurt, now, 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 my problem is I can now take this discussion one of two ways. I can
0: say that it's going to happen, but I'm I'm not signed any NDA. But Ken's asked me to probably keep it on the DL without giving too much more away beyond that until it actually starts happening. And it's supposed to That's be happening perfectly. any week now. That's perfectly fine.
1: Okay. I, I, I wanted thinking, to uh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's it, one of the things that I loved about this was the art because it, it very much reminds me of some of the stuff that I used to see in old EC comics and like, uh, vault of horror and tales from the crypt or stuff like eerie and creepy which i used to love um is in and this reminds me of that kind of art um taking you know the pencils and the inks and just pulling such interesting images out of it like i'm looking at the one that's labeled janice at the steps of castle dracula and this was one of my favorites because there's such wonderful little bits of if you're willing to spend the time looking at this picture wonderful little things there that you know just you know they're tidbits they're little i don't want to use the term easter eggs but you know there's wonderful little things in there that you look and like, like the little impaling stakes along the wall just that make this picture so fantastic so i guess my question for you is like How much of this is just Ken? And how much of this was Ken and you working together to create these?
0: Um, I'd say about half and half. Ken, I I had most of the ideas for these images and then I let just let Ken go whatever direction he wanted. Um, When we finished the Kickstarter, we started the Kickstarter October 20th and finished it on November 20th of 2020. Um, And then uh, Ken had about five images drawn by the end of the Kickstarter. He had another six drawn by the end of December, but he had a slight miscalculation about something, a brain fart, and thought he was almost done. And I was like, no, you have 24 images to draw. He drew 13 images in, in about five weeks. Wow. So a couple of the images, we cheated a little bit by having just a giant black background and then, like, a focal point image. Like, there's an image of Colleen touching her neck with her giant saber-toothed tiger fangs out, or there's an image of a giant vampire bat in the sky. It was a way to push the art through, so that way we didn't meet our Kickstarter deadline of when we were going to put the book out by January. But no Kickstarter ever seems to come out on time, so I didn't really care. Nobody knows who I am. And Ken was like, Kickstarters are late all the time. I'm not too concerned about it. It's just if they're a year late, that that's when you need to start. Eating some crow, and oh yeah, he's kind of like, right we there. <laughs> we eat it out, and we put it out in February to the Kickstarter backers. Uh, the week of uh, President's Day, I had vacation, and I was up from 7 a.m. until 2 a.m. packing and shipping about 350 copies of the book by myself because there was no vaccine, there was no booster, and we were still in the height of COVID.
1: Well, you didn't have anything much else to do at that point anyway. You were pretty much in lockdown, so.
0: Yeah, so I I got up at seven a.m. on my vacation, waited for the books to show up on Monday night. They did, and I was up till two a.m. every day. And there were like two hundred and forty-eight backers according to the Kickstarter. But then of course there's also the people who missed the Kickstarter, whose uh, payments dropped off or they dropped out, and then the post uh, production post uh, add-on people afterwards so it ended up being almost 350 copies of the book I shipped out from extra orders and add-ons and people who were like oh can I get this oh I completely forgot your Kickstarter was running
1: yeah and that's that's the curse of the Kickstarter in that yes I want your money yes I want to sell you my book damn it I don't have the time <laughs> or I didn't order enough books or I don't have enough packing material or I could really use the sleep I thanks a lot my
0: orders and I told people that hey listen, I put the thing in and uh, I missed your order or I, I didn't see you put an add-on in or whatever the excuse was that they didn't get their books exactly the same time everyone else did. But within about two weeks span, I'd say 80, 75% of the Kickstarters got their package. The only ones who didn't are the ones who live overseas because they were still dealing with the fallout of the stupidity of the election and the voting and the machines. That whole debacle I'm not going to get into, but you know what I'm talking about. And then of course, um, just you know packages showing up getting lost but thank god they got and robbed. then the
1: gutting of the u.s postal system didn't help much either so no,
0: that's the part i didn't want to reiterate but we all knew what i was talking about
1: yes i yeah. mean so you know with all that stuff in there going at the same time he did okay man he did just fine so
0: and just a few going, weeks later just, then all the retail stores put their orders in so i shipped another approximately 500 copies of the book
2: and going back to what you just said uh Chris about you know some of these pictures you kind of took a shortcut on some of them I think really benefited from that shortcut to be honest so the one I'm looking at right now is the grooms of Vlada which is just you know it's it's the the flip of the brides of Dracula yeah but it's it's such a fantastic picture with no background because you are now drawn right to those three individuals right there in front of you. I mean, you right. don't have anything to distract you. I think that picture, if that's one of the ones he rushed, it benefited from not having a background. I think it makes it – I mean, Colleen, that one is also a, a good one. But this one really benefited from not having a background. It really increases the intensity of each one of those characters. But it Colleen like won't just really
0: – Really did because I wanted her to be the focal point of that image anyway. So I said, okay, I don't care, make it all black because I want her white skin and the you know the the image itself to be like when people see that she's just standing out in the darkness. So and by the way, we kind of redo that a little bit more in the comic book tie-in we put out last Halloween, uh, Vlada uh, Chronicles of the Damned, uh, where Colleen is just sitting in a bathrobe front and center large as the entire page talking about the events of the graphic novel nice so it's a nice. sequel it's a prequel sequel by the way prequel cool, see i love it she's the pre, she's the sequel talking about the prequel if you get what i'm saying
1: yep absolutely
0: yeah, no, no I, got, I got it 100% i love it okay yeah so she's going through like a history of her ma- her mistress
1: so you dedicate the book To Jack Dallas Ketchum and Bernie Wrightson.
0: Jack Dallas Ketchum was my, and I've said this to his uh, partner who's still with us, um, uh, whose name I'll I'll leave out. But she uh, was Mm -hmm. absolutely uh, touched to no end because I was the first person to make a dedication to Jack. And uh, she remembered me and remembered Jack coming on my show several times. Jack was my most frequent guest, and I got to know him through Rock and Shock and other conventions. And if I ever called him or I needed something from him, he would, you know, either pick up or he'd call me back. And, uh, you know, there was a time there was a little bit stretch here and there months that we didn't talk. But, uh, you know, when he got sick, uh, he came on the show immediately after he was fully recuperated and uh, talked about his cancer recovery. Unfortunately, it came back and killed him in 2018. But um, I had to dedicate the book to Dallas because of that. I would have loved to have had Dallas do the forward, but I wanted to do the dedication to him. And of course, our book's a big homage to that Bernie Wrightson and Frankenstein I mentioned. And it sure. was a huge Bernie Wrightson fan. So we both had dedications to people that were mentors to us. Now I don't know if Ken ever knew Bernie. I don't remember us having a conversation about that, but he knew how much Dallas meant to me. And I was completely heartbroken when he died, uh, because he was a he was a he was a big mentor for my own writing. Um, so I went to uh I, I um I wanted to make sure that he got, uh, you know, the uh, the remembrance thing.
1: That's kind of cool. That's yeah. actually kind of, you know.
0: And I felt touched when I was told I was the first uh, author to, to 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 do that.
1: And what's what's what I was also kind of really uh, impressed by is uh, the forward by Jonathan Mabry.
0: Mayberry. Seconded. Mayberry. Yeah, the uh, author of V-Wars.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually wrote for V-Wars. It didn't get published because IDW stopped publishing prose novels. Um, they were on a big pro novel kick for a while. Well, sorry, not pro. Yeah, uh, anthology novels. Uh, they published two V-War novels, and they did a G.I. Joe novel and one other. But then there, if you know anything about IDW's behind-the-scenes history, they have had a lot of leaders changing the leadership role which is right. not great for a company um <laughs> caused a lot of problems with their uh, television stuff uh, like uh winona Earp and things like that as well but that's a whole other story um so they stopped writing doing the the novels they just wanted to stick to comic books and then turning those comic books into you know netflix hit shows like lock and key and i wrote for v wars and it didn't get published story still mine. I can do whatever I want with it. I haven't done anything with it. I just got to change some stuff so it's not so V-Wars centric. But um, that was after John came on the show the second time. And then uh, around the time he came on the show the third time to give an update on the V-Wars TV show and the backstory about you know what happened and why it got canceled, I asked him about doing a forward for Vlada. And he uh, graciously accepted and wrote a two-page st- story about female vampires and then threw me in, in at the end, um, kind of singing my praises in a very professional way.
1: Yeah, I read it and I just kinda went, Whoa. And oh by the way, this was written by a New York Times bestselling author. So, you know, there's your there's your bona fides right there. And then I just kind of went, well, hot damn.
2: And it's it's really well written. It's a great, you know, intro. It really covers all of the, uh, all of the 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 bullet points, but not in bullet points, of what you know has come before it. All the vampire legend, all of this stuff, you know, from all over. It's you know, and and he even hits some of the same things that I was talking to Dome about before we came on the air, which is that how many different places just a dracula legend has appeared and he he kind of goes through his list which is the same as mine it's movies comics video games castlevania uh tv shows cartoons and then he goes on to halloween halloween costumes i forgot about the play though so yes plays songs and yeah it's just it's it's one of those characters right up there with frankenstein and sherlock holmes where people know the name you know it's 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 a character that's that's going to exist forever and yeah. so it's 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 just it's one of those things that that, you know, it's it's really a very interesting character. And so I guess my question, because one of the things I was thinking about is I was thinking about because this is well trod path, you know, other than, you know, that you're flipping the gender of the main of all the characters, to be honest. What else was there that you wanted the reader to take away from this and 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 be able to say, you know, that put your stamp on this? You know, what was it that you wanted the, the, the reader to come away with? I mean, there were some things, you know, that I found were rather interesting, but it's just like, what was it you really, when you started this, you know, other than just simply switching it, what did you want the reader to come away with? it sounds like you're already trying to do is keep and this was what i took away so again i'll give you what i thought that one of the takeaways for the is keeping this thing keeping this story fresh and new invigorating the readership you know to so that they they can look at it in a new light and come at it in a new way you know it's, it's sort of like um what stoker said in his quote you know if you know it's like it, it keeps it fresh it keeps it new And and that was one of the things I took away from this was that it was a fresh and new approach to it that would hopefully continue to reinvigorate, you know, the, the fans of the original for, you know, years to come and create new ones. At least that was my takeaway.
0: No, that's pretty accurate. We, um, Again, it goes back to what I said. Nobody had done the story before. I thought it would be a really cool idea. And then after having read and watched countless versions of Dracula, I realized how incredibly you know, male-centric the story was. And I know Dracula... I don't remember where I read it. I don't remember who said it. So I'm not quoting anybody on this. But I, I remember hearing or reading something about Bram Stoker calling himself a feminist. And I'm like... There's not a lot of feminism in the story, Bram.
1: Hmm.
2: Nope. Yeah, there's, I mean, because the it, funny thing was, I actually went and reread. I reread the original after, you know, I uh, after you, after reading your book, because it was part of me wanting to go, okay, let's see what he did. Because, I mean, it's been... Unlike uh, a certain Mary Shelley novel that I think I read maybe once every two years, um, I had not read Dracula in last God. I think it's been about five or six years since I've read that one, and so it was interesting to read it right after reading yours and to see some of those similarities. But yeah, it's definitely a male-centric story. That is very much true. Right.
1: I'm interested in. Um how this whole book came together for you because of your whole work in horror. You know, because this this book was not uh two months or six months. This book took years, clearly. Um I think mean, the of,
0: right artist took years. This book got put together during the year of COVID's lockdown.
1: So this was purely at this point a lockdown project?
0: Yes and no. There was, in 2014, the the failed movie was crashed and burned. We didn't raise the money we needed. There was a short film made. I said, if this Kickstarter fails to raise the money for the movie, it's going to become a comic book. I went through one artist after another with one excuse after another why they couldn't do the book. Some were legit, some were just honestly pathetic. And um oh, but that's and what?
1: but this is a problem that I hear with a lot of creators who aren't artists themselves, who sit down and they're the writers and they're trying to find the right creative people to surround themselves with.
0: I and found the right creative people. They just couldn't stick to the project. And by the way, it was never like a free project. These people were going to get paid.
1: Oh yeah, no, I, I understand that. And and it, it's
0: it's like you uh, it's like people trying to find work today. <laughs> you know, or sorry, people trying to find workers to work today, and the problems mm-hmm. the job market has.
1: So it's it's just really difficult to find the right people to attach to the project.
0: Right. So in 2016, this is where it finally got started as a comic book called Dracula's Resurrection uh, with a uh, artist named Isaiah Solaris, who was her. Um, she was a local artist to New England. Um, I don't know if she's still doing anything these days because all her social media is pretty much shut down. But she did the first comic book and she was going to do the, the 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 book that we have right now. But she backed out of the project after the comic book came out, the day it came out, and I was left without an artist. Um, so I continued looking for an artist. Now, in 2017, I met a woman named Jessica Gowd, who's drawn um some things here or there, colorist, amazing artist. She did the pack-in comic book for the Fright Night uh, documentary, You're So Cool, Brewster. She was the artist on that. And she did the very, very first piece of artwork for Vlada, where Vlada is holding um, some random girl. It's not Colleen. It's just a random girl by a graveyard uh, in a red dress, very cut down, you know, leg up the side, you know, Jessica Rabbit style dress. Um, and then Ken Hunt did what was supposed to be a cover which is hanging up next to me right now of the bats flying down from the sky Mm -hmm. turning into the wolves at Vlada's feet while she's standing there. And there was an artist named Tamoy Das from India who was going to draw the entire comic book. And he actually got all 22 pages drawn of the first issue. By the time he was finished, um, I had lost my job and my father died And I didn't know what direction I wanted to go with Vlad. And I told him to hold on on issue two. We will get started on it ASAP. Um, And then COVID came around and Ken uh, and then Tamoy was just impossible to reach. And I reached out to Ken and asked him, what is he doing today? What is he doing right now that is a long-term project? And at the time, he said almost nothing.
1: And thereby, (laughs) thereby, the partnership was formed.
0: Sort of. At first, he was going to start taking up where issue issue one had left off with issue two. He drew like three or four pages and realized he doesn't want to draw this from issue two. He wants to start all the way from the beginning again. And I'm like, I cannot do that. I've already paid out X number of dollars to this guy. And it wasn't a lot. But it was still whatever money spent. And I'm not doing anything with these pages and Ken convinced me to go to Kickstarter. And after being called uh, a pussy by Karen Nicole more than once that I need to get a Kickstarter going, and it's not that hard because she's like the queen of Kickstarters, uh, I eventually relented and we got together the Kickstarter with all of the people involved uh, one after another. Okay,
1: you realize Um, that every time somebody says a Kickstarter is not that hard, they need to be punched in the throat.
0: Yeah, well, Karen Nicole is like the queen of Kickstarters. If you know who her and her husband are, they have had very, very, very good success with Kickstarter based on uh, her husband's amazing, incredible artwork, or her incredible body. Period. (laughs) I mean, I'm not even making any kind of sexist joke for anyone's listening. She is a model cosplayer who sells calendars of her in sexy cosplay. She is a marketing machine for herself and her husband, who is one of the best artists out there. And uh, they um, she was a big help in getting the Kickstarter, you know, me to kick my butt to get the Kickstarter going. And then I I hooked up with a couple people that uh, she recommended uh, that didn't quite work out. But then one person in particular was Wendy Shayner who does zombie uh, sorry, uh, Naughty Fairy Stripper Assassins as a CGI book. And Wendy was also, like, the queen of Kickstarters for comic books and gave me all of the best advice, um, did a, a free Im- – you know, a lot of the images were were honestly free. And uh, we got the Kickstarter done and, you know, su- succeeded. A lot of original artwork sold from the artist as well. And, you know, Tim Vigil's had a huge following. Tim Vigil's been around in the industry for f- over 40 years. So, you know, his influence and fan base really gravitated to the Kickstarter. Sure. On top of the fact that Ken told me that Tim doesn't lend his Tim does not like lend his stuff out to uh, people to use very often. And in fact, he hasn't been attached to a book, excuse me, since like 2013 or 2014. So it was wow. a big deal that he was attached to mine. So, but there is that picture of, of Vlada comes for
2: Mark, and that is another one that I really, 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 really love. There's because it's just it's this image of her coming through as in in almost fog or mist and yet reflected against the wall her shadow is you know even though she looks live and beautiful you see this you know these hideous claws in shadows against the wall you know what was your
0: inspiration with for that that comes from um that is literally that is that is uh lifted from uh the 1980s horror movie fright night part two with uh, Julie Carmen, um, when she smokes into the bedroom, and it's basically the way to say it, fogs in, <laughs> smokes in into the bedroom of um, Charlie Brewster, the uh, you know the hero of Fright Night and Fright Night Part Two. And she sits on the bed, and uh, you know the music like really swells in this very hypnotic, gothic, romantic, sexy way. And he's got a note to his. Girlfriend, because he's a uh, you know being a complete idiot and and blew her off to go do dumb vampire stuff, um and she like tosses it to the side like Get the fuck out of here with that stupid note and leans in peels the bandage off his neck that he cut himself shaving earlier in the movie and then just like orgasmically dives into her neck with a like with a like ecstasy sound effect and then the 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 fog like swirls around their bodies as Peter Vincent's like ringing off the hook trying to reach Charlie. And I took that from that movie, and I and I, I mentioned that to Julie, and I've had her I tweeted at her that image, um, when we were doing the Kickstarter to, uh, and she retweeted us on Kickstarter of like this is an homage to me in Fright Night, so. Nice. Yeah, and Julie Carmen I've interviewed and, and met, and she's an absolutely lovely woman. You know, she's also in the, uh, The Mouth of Madness that John Carpenter movie, and she was on um, the Brian Benben ben show and um i can't i don't know what else she's been in but fright night part two she was regine dandridge the the sister of jerry dandridge from the first fright night
2: one of the things it reminds me of is some of the scenes from brahm stoker's dracula and there were some scenes that were similar to that that and this as well so i was wondering if maybe there was some influence there but you know i can
0: definitely see fright night (laughs) as well um there's some yeah i mean there's Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola film, has some influences in my book. Um, off the top of my head, right this second, I don't remember which one was the influence, but honestly, it mostly comes from uh, uh, Christopher Lee's Hammer movies, as well as uh, the Castlevania video game series, especially when Dracula, or Vlada Dracula, has her like monstrous transformation, and there's a lot of like little like winks and nods to Castlevania throughout the book.
1: It's a yep, whole series of that. winks and nods, let's be honest.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's what I makes mean, it cool. I'm not going to say it's 100% original because it's not. It's just gender swapping a well-known 140-year-old story. But at the same time, <laughs> if I'm if I'm already borrowing from a classic and changing it for a more modern contemporary setting, uh, then I might as well throw in as many of my loves for other vampire fiction as I possibly can without making it too, like... An airplane or scary movie kind of story. After a while, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, get it. Well. Wink, wink, ha ha! Look at that. We and, mentioned the thing. Uh, and then one point that allows us the, to stay fresh. One of the lines, I and I think, I swear to God, it's either in the graphic novel or it's in the comic book tie-in. Van uh, Helsing mentions hunting a vampire named Norin, who is encased in a silver case. And that is a reference to Tomb of Dracula by Marvel Comics number 50, where Dracula fought the Silver Surfer. (laughs) Nice. Which sounds ridiculous because it's Dracula and it's the Silver Surfer. (laughs) But only Marvel. (laughs) Only Marvel. Only Marvel. I mean, Dracula's fought the X-Men, you know, so it's not too (laughs) far-fetched. Yeah. Well,
1: let's put it this way, man. Uh, congratulations on the book congratulations on the continuation of uh, working with this fine group of people and continuing this story uh, congratulations on the podcast we spent the past half hour talking with Christopher Denmead about his book Vlada and the cool people that he's met along the way and uh, we will have links for the book the page, the podcast and everything else. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you. Sci-Fi Saturday night is made possible with the support of Granite Con and Double Midnight Comics, Plastic City Comic Con, the Upper Valley Comic Expo, Dreamforge Anvil and Dreamforge Magazine and Comic Art House. If you're looking for a great gift idea, May we suggest Sci-Fi Saturday Night's Anthology, My Peculiar Family, available on Amazon. The audiobook is also available on Audible. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. Check out all of his amazing work at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their discography is available on Bandcamp. Thank you so much, JoJo. This is Dome saying shared pain is lessened. Shared joy increased. Thus, do we all refute entropy? So, unless it's daytime, good night, everyone. There once was a girl from Nantucket. Good night, everybody. Yay!